Schwergers. One, two, three, four. Listening to CITR Radio FM 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and it's time right now for the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. You just heard right there, Chris Tolan with Free Charlie, and that's from the Galactic Zoo Sampler, Sons of the Gut Bucket Sampler. And it is put out by the Galactic Zoo Dossiter that's put out by Plastic Crime Wave. And that particular track, I think, is from 1978, although there is no actual date on the actual track. But that is, again, from Plastic Crime Wave's compilation that comes with the amazing Galactic Zoo magazine. And that was Chris Tolan with Free Charlie Manson. Today on the Nardwarda Human Serviette Radio Show, interviews with Sharon Van Etten and comedian Hannibal Burris from Chicago, Illinois. To prepare you right now for Sharon Van Etten, here right now is the Mohawks playing the song Champ, which I think kind of is a version of and really is a version of Otis Redding's Tramp, and I kind of get it mixed up in the following interview that we hear with Sharon Van Etten. So this is, the, I love getting stuff mixed up, but you shouldn't be mixed up right now because you're on CITR Radio, FM 102, and Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. CITR no longer on cable anymore. No longer on cable. You can only get us at 
101.9 FM or at CITR.ca on the internet. So here are the Mohawks with The Champ and then an interview with Sharon Van Etten on Nanardwar, the human serviette radio show.
are you? I'm Sharon Van Etten. Sharon, who'd you have beside you? Doug Keith. Hello, Doug. Hello. Welcome to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Thank you. Sharon, right off the bat, how good are you at making coffee? Decent. I am decent at it, and I have, have fun making French presses every day at home when I'm home. No, I'm asking this, Doug, because of the red rose, right? Right, exactly, yeah. She's a great, she's a killer French press maker. <laughs> what was the red rose? Could you please explain? The red rose was a coffee shop venue in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, where I worked for about five years back in the early 2000s. Making coffee. Making coffee. Because <laughs> I did read about the Red Rose and some people were saying that the coffee wasn't that great there. What? <laughs> must, have, must have not been when I was working. Yeah. Did you make a lot of coffee? Like for six years, did you make a lot of coffee? I made, I made a lot of coffee, different kinds of drinks, but I, I preferred regular coffee as opposed to the cappuccinos. Sharon, at that time you had a boyfriend. I did. Now, how come it took you six years to break up with them? <laughs> the heart is a funny thing, you know? You think you're in love with someone, you're young, it's the first love of your life kind of thing. But I was thinking, though, he wasn't a big fan of your music, you have said. Like, he said, I don't like this, I don't like this, I don't like this. And it took six years? <laughs> yeah, it's true. I mean, it built up to that. It obviously didn't start like that. But it, um, eventually, I, I learned slowly, but surely. Now, originally, you're from Nutley, New Jersey? Yes, I am. There are some famous people from there, Doug. I did not know that. <laughs> <laughs> what famous people are from there? Martha. Martha Stewart and Annie Oakley. Um, it's where she met Jesse James. Very famous ladies. Two famous ladies. And now you. <laughs> now me. <laughs> Martha Stewart, quote, she drives me crazy. <laughs> She is crazy, isn't she? Um, but uh, is that her quote? No, that's what you sung, though, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. The, ooh, ooh, sorry. When did you drive her crazy? What's the connection to Sharon and that? That song I sang with Little Scream when we were in Chicago touring together. And what were you going to say about Martha? <laughs> <laughs> What was I going to say about Martha? Martha, actually, my dad put the roof on her house, and I heard she's a little nuts, but she's a very talented lady. Wow, that seems amazing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he's a roofer? He's done a lot of that stuff? Just as a kid, you know, just like, you know, you're earning a buck here and there. <laughs> she drives me crazy as fun young cannibals. Yes, it is, yes. I love them, but I have another gift for you, Sharon. Really? What is that? It relates to the Fun Young Cannibals. It's a bit better than the Fun Young Cannibals. The English Beat. What? <laughs> guys from the Fun Young Cannibals before were in the English Beat. <laughs> Hands off, she's mine. Nice. Yeah, an amazing tune. I think you should do some English Beat covers. Wait, okay. Fun Young Cannibals came out of English Beat? Yes, exactly. How did I not know that? The two guitar guys. Oh, interesting. That's Are you into ska at all, you guys? I, I used to be into ska. What did you check out? Um, when I was a kid, I was into... Well, I dated a kid in Skatalica, but I was also into... In what? Skatalica. <laughs> sounds awesome. <laughs> what were they like? You can imagine, probably. <laughs> they used to cover Brown Eyed Girl. You know, that kind of stuff. High school band kind of stuff. Um, but Skank and Pickle, Mephiscopheles, Dancehall Crashers, that kind of stuff. Oh, that's incredible. The Boss Tones. Were you into Scott at all? I, I like the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones for sure. Where were you at that time? 
I was in Syracuse, New York at, at, during the Boston's heyday. Because <laughs> I was thinking, there's got to be a ska connection to Sharon Van Etten, isn't there? <laughs> there must be. Yeah, because the song Tramp. The song Tramp? You have the album Tramp. Oh, right. Well, Carla Thomas. See, I was going to say the, the Misfits with Tramp, but they're not so much ska. What's the... Tramp. Dun, 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 tramp. <laughs> okay. Did you think of that song at all? I love that tune. No, but I, I should have. <laughs> I thought the entire album Tramp was like an ode to like your Scatalica days or something like that. Well, I'm working on a record that is going to pay more of an homage for sure. Did you see the Misfits at all? The, the Glenn Danzig-less Misfits? I, I never got to see them, no, but I'm a fan. What's your first punk rock gig? My first punk rock gig? Well, I saw Green Day when I was really young, and then I saw, later on in my early 20s, I saw Vita Blue, and I saw um, Against Me, and before that, when my friend was in Against Me, there was Kill Devil Hills, and then... My friend was in a band called Ash Chapel. That was really. How did you meet your friend that was in against me? Uh, he worked at the Red Rose and he he played bass and we we mop floors together and help book shows together. So. What was your first punk rock gig? First punk rock gig. It would, I have to say the Feelies. Uh, even though they're not necessarily totally punk rock, it was a very punk rock Feelies show. And that's very New York. New York. Yeah, yeah. It was Binghamton, New York. My older brother drove me down. Do you remember where? Uh, at the University of Bing- or Syracuse State University of New York at Binghamton in their like student union building, I kn- and the Chickasaw Mud Puppies. Have you heard them? Yeah, I love that name. Yeah, they were great. They were very fun. So you guys have been busting out some covers recently. <laughs> We've been trying. Yeah. How'd you get Jay Mascus on stage? Uh, that came about very randomly. You were talking to him before the show. Yeah. And you found out he was a fan. I didn't know that. He was that. asking very particular questions about the guitar parts on Tramp, and uh, he clearly... Tramp! He clearly knew uh, the songs really well, so I asked him if he wanted to play a song with us, and he was way into that and just kind of snowballed from there. Sharon, did you pick the tune? I did pick the tune. I, I liked I liked the Soft Boys very, very much, and I thought it would be like a fun one for him to just wail on because I figured that's what he was going to do. And, um... And yeah, and it was a lot of fun. It was like high school dreams came true, you know. <laughs> and you could have picked a poison song. <laughs> I should have. Skinny Bop. <laughs> I thought you do every rose. Oh, I've never done that one. I liked that one a long time ago. Because Miley does that too. Miley Cyrus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I should do that one. Every rose has a thorn will be my next cover. I haven't done that in a long Miley time. Cyrus does every rose has its thorn. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're, we're, we're gonna I'm going to hunt that down. Yeah, we're hunting that down tomorrow. <laughs> Another fun fact is the fact Fiona Apple opened for you guys. That was crazy. That really puts things in perspective about how the music industry's moving. She was, she, her voice is still incredible. Did you talk to her at all? No, no. She had people. And there was security detail around her with like Secret Service earbuds. I don't know if they were for her or for the label people that were there as well, but they definitely all came out as a group. Did she stick around for you at all? She uh, had everybody clear the back area while she ran to the bus. <laughs> you know what, though? I will say, she did stop for, like, all her fans, right? Like, as she was coming up, there were, like, a 30 people standing there with records and posters, and she signed all of them and hung out there for, like, 15, 20 minutes. But she didn't stop for Sharon Van Etten, no. No, she did not. I'll rue the, she'll rule the day. <laughs> 
Sharon, as you've been playing more high-profile gigs, you know, guys are out there, you know, there's Fiona Apple stuff. Have you seen celebrities leaving the gig as you're playing? No. Like, would have been like would have been worse if you saw Fiona Apple watching you and then leave. <laughs> She's just shaking her head on the way out. <laughs> I, I haven't seen. I don't see them ever. <laughs> I don't just see them. See I don't top. see them come, let alone leave. <laughs> just see Carrot Top leave. Be like, I know that was him. <laughs> I was thinking, though, about that gig with Fiona Apple that you played. What was behind Fiona Apple? What was behind you guys? It was some giant sort of Victrola. What was that? Oh, for Andrew Bird. Yeah, he uses these crazy um, they're kind of speakers that make it sound old-timey. They're I don't know what they're called. They rotate. They're like a rotating horn Leslie? speaker. Kind of yeah, like, like a, a Leslie? Leslie so when he plays, it like he can speed up the swirl of it all. I mean, that really shows the state of music industry, too. And that Fiona Apple has to play with Andrew Bird's backdrop behind her. <laughs> yes, we're all on the same stage in it together. <laughs> Sharon Van Etten, what's the importance of the shrunken planet? Shrunken planet? WFMU. Oh, right. Jeffrey Davison. Sorry. I was completely out of it. Jeffrey Davison is a really amazing DJ on WFMU, and he was the first person to ever play one of my homemade CDs on, on air, and we had a back and forth through emails for a really long time before we ever met, and he recommended me a lot of folk music. And then he and his wife came to one of my shows during CMJ like three or four years ago and invited me over their house to have a personal record night and play me music that he thought would help inspire me and I took notes on all the single all the people that he played for me and um, wrote about it on my blog <laughs> and we, we continue to have those nights um, whenever I'm back from tour they're like my second parents in New York Did you ever buy stuff from Sharon online? Buy stuff from Sharon online? Like yeah, Sharon sold stuff online, right, Sharon? I did. I had my homemade stuff online for a while. What could have he bought from you online? Um, the painted CD, hand-painted CDs cut from paper bags from the liquor store I used to work at. And I think I did, like, I made postcards, funny postcards and... I think that's about all. That's all I sold. Sometimes T-shirts, but that was a rarity. Bada bing, bada boom. <laughs> Thank you, Alicia. Alicia Savoy. Yes, she got me a job at Bada Bing Records. We went to college together, and when I moved from Tennessee back to the East Coast, she got me an internship and then worked my way up to being full time there. How did she get a job there? She went to school at MTSU, and she graduated. And got a job in uh, just after, like, I think she was an intern at Matador, I think, and ended up getting a job when, because Ben Goldberg used to work at Matador too, and they have a lot of mutual friends. And he moved on and started his own, like, pursued his own label full time and then hired Alicia after she was working at Matador. I think they met that way. And then you went on to help Hoxley Workman. <laughs> I did. I did. Wow. Yeah, he, he, he a Canadian. I never met him before, but yeah, that was on the label. <laughs> what were some of the local bands in Murfreesboro? Murfreesboro, let's see. They're about the features or imaginary oh, baseball. Yeah, Aaron Robinson, man. I haven't, we keep in touch a little bit through, you know, thank you to Facebook. And, but my friend Dallas Thomas was in Ass Chapel also. And uh, Kelly was in, um, 
Oh, shoot. Why am I totally forgetting that? The Imaginary Baseball League. Do you know that band? Yeah, Imaginary Baseball League. Aaron Robinson is in that, and he is still doing music, I think. But we used to play shows together. At, well, he played where I used to work and stuff. Sharon, you have a connection to the Grand Old Opry, don't you? <laughs> I've been there before. I got to see a show there before I ever moved there. Courtney Tidwell. Yeah, she she played a show with us when I was on tour with um, Festival about four or five years ago. She's incredible. Yeah, what can you tell the people about Courtney? She has an incredible voice. She's almost like Jefferson Airplane, but uh, Nashville style without being cheesy. She has a really amazing range, and it's pretty rock and roll. And her relatives, Grand Ole Opry? I don't know. I don't know about that. I think her family like hung out there. Oh, really? So like a direct connection kind of for you. Okay. I don't, know, I don't know much of her history, but she's a really amazing lady. In Murphys. Burrow. Burrow. They have the world's largest red cedar bucket. And it got burned down like the year after I left, which is funny because it's like the only thing it's really known for. <laughs> you explain a bit more about that, the red bucket. It's, it was just a big bucket. I don't know. It's big. big. It's really big. Could you stand inside of it and hide? Yeah. I think people got married in it. It was like that big. Yeah, it, was huge. <laughs> it was huge. I don't know how big it was. Like a, like the size, if you took like one of those big water containers, you know, that you see like put up, what do you call uh, those? Like top of buildings and stuff. Yeah, but like on the ground, maybe a little bigger. And then it got burnt down? Somebody burned the bucket? <laughs> Somebody burned the bucket down, yeah. After you left? Maybe maybe it was as a protest. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so you guys played on the... Radio? We did play on the radio yesterday. <laughs> you have the song Len... Erd. Oh. You have the song Leonard. Yes. yes. <laughs> and we played it on uh, Conan O'Brien's show the other night. Which I thought is interesting. The song Leonard. <laughs> Len- and you played it on Conan. Uh-huh. O'Brien. Leonard Conan. Leonard Conan, like Leonard Cohen. Yes. <laughs> did you think of that at all? No, I did not. But you're good. You must. You like puns a lot. I like that. I was thinking you weren't thinking that when you were playing that at all, like Leonard and Leonard Conan. <laughs> I'm embarrassed that I didn't. It did not cross my mind at all. Did you have any interaction at all with the Cone Man? Yes, not until after the show. But he was so nice and. I like. I was surprised he, he. At the end of the show, he shook my hand and then brought me over to the desk area. And the whole time, I'm just laughing because I couldn't. Like I used to watch him a lot when I was a kid, and I think he's really one of the funniest people on on television. But he was really, really sweet. And you guys also were on Fallon. We were on Fallon with Obama. No, not with Obama. Yes, with Obama. Obama. Fred. Oh, oh, Fred, yeah, wow. <laughs> yes, with Fred Armisen. Fred Armisen? Yes, Fred Armisen's amazing. He's really funny, and he's really, really nice. And we got to talk to him before the show. He made a point to say hello to us, which was really, really, really sweet. Mm-hmm. And I thought it's neat, though, more connections with Sharon Van Etten to Obama. There are. They run deep. Your drummer, Zeke. Really? Oh, because Tift played at the White House or something, right? Yeah. I just I just heard about this. That's amazing that you got that connection. <laughs> now can you please explain it, Sharon? Now I'm just digging. <laughs> so my drummer Zeke is they're married, right? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. His wife, Tift Merritt, they played together and she played the White House. And she's a she's a great songwriter. She's really fabulous. And of course Fred is in Portlandia. 
Yes, yes. And you guys have a connection to Portlandia. Because we just played in Portland. Bamboo. <laughs> yes, that's pretty good. But also, Heather, who plays with you. Yes. Is also from Portland area. And Heather Woods Broderick is a really, really amazing singer-songwriter that moved to New York to play with us. And what's that After King bang that she's in? After Clang. After Clang is a Danish band that she's sang backup for for the last couple of years. And we also at Bada Bing used to work with them when we were helping the Leaf label do public press in the U.S. for a while. You're good at pronouncing things, aren't you, Sharon? <laughs> Sharon good at pronouncing things? She is, yeah, yeah. Articulate. Just the way you said Bada Bing was so good. I had speech therapy when I was a kid because I had a lisp. And I have trouble saying Murfreesboro. Oh, it took me about a year to learn how to say Murfreesboro. <laughs> so you guys also did a gig with Flaming Lips? Uh, kind of. We sort of, we, um, we sang Happy Birthday to the Festival Sasquatch uh, with the Flaming Lips. Now, how was this arranged? Because uh, you've been arranging a lot of stuff, you know, with all the people that have been coming up on the stage. Uh, we, uh, let's see, how did it get arranged? The, uh, the people that put the festival on are very, very amazing people that we became very friendly with. And uh, they wanted Sharon to sing uh, Happy Birthday with the Flaming Lips. But then they also had these full Sasquatch outfits that myself and the drummer put on and went out there and uh, just sort of acted like it was our birthday for a while. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to ask you is, how, Sharon, did you avoid not climbing into a Flaming Lips outfit? <laughs> because, the, because the guys wanted to lift me up, basically, all day in those suits, and I would have a hard time lifting them up, I think. We were, we and were they separate. Volunteered. Yeah, they we were volunteered. Separate. We were separate from the Flaming Lips outfits. We were straight up Sasquatches for the festival. And we actually, they gave us, it was pretty amazing, they gave us a golf cart to drive around for about three hours before the Flaming Lips. So we just drove around and high-fived the crowd and I went to stage to stage and jumped on stage with bands and as Sasquatch. It seems interesting that you got like your own outfits and not the Flaming Lips one because I understand the Flaming Lips outfits are kind of smelly. Oh, Oh, yeah, I'm sure if they're all wearing... It was the Dorothy outfits, it was, right? Yeah, it was Wizard of Oz. Lots of Wizard of Oz themes. they pass those around. They get a lot of people to dress up in those, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, I think I still have a bow from that. Yeah, that's very cool. I stole one. Winding up here, some quotes. Quote, I don't want to be a passenger in my own life. What is that from? I don't know. I'm trying to think. Diane Ackerman. Whoa, totally, yes, because she wrote The Natural History of Love, and I've been in the middle of reading Natural History of the Senses, and I haven't finished it yet, embarrassingly. Where is your harmonium? On stage right now. And where did you get it? I got it from an ex-boyfriend of mine that gave it to me as a present um, to replace another one that I had borrowed from the brunettes for a while. And it, there's a dealer in New York City that is really incredible. It's the only one that would import harmonium safely. How old is it? Like, what's the history on it? I don't know anything about it other than that. And what other bands playing? Like, Shilpo Ray? Shilpa Ray, yeah, Brooklyn girl. She is incredible. She does play one. Have you guys had battles of harmonians? Like when you meet other bands that have the harmonians? No, we haven't. We've only come across one, and we did not battle. We should have. Who was that? <laughs> uh, the National have one that they use from time to time. No little battle at all? They actually let us share it because yeah. we couldn't put ours. We didn't have, we That's weren't we able to bring ours to <laughs> Europe. Yeah. You're on tour right now with the War on Drugs. Yes, love those guys. And Shearwater's been involved too? Yeah, they did the first U.S. leg, the East Coast. But one guy's missing from Shearwater. 
The drummer, Thor. Thor! Because he's on tour. Well, he's been focusing on Swan stuff and his own solo stuff. He's amazing. What can't tell people about Thor? Like, he takes his shirt off. <laughs> he's a Viking. He's the, the name Thor is all you really need to know to understand him. But he built a house for himself and his girlfriend by hand. He is an amazing illustrator. And he is a, one of the happiest people I've ever met in my life. And he doesn't wear a shirt, and he's big and hairy, and he's the only sweaty, hairy man that will walk up to me looking like he does and hug me, and, and I'm not freaked out by it. <laughs> now, I read something about him and a penis in you. And <gasps> <In> me? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I opened up for Beirut and Shearwater in London, and... <laughs> I was really, really nervous because I'd never played a show that big before, and I was about to go by myself to fly to Berlin to meet Great Lakes swimmers for the first time, never having met them, and about to jump in their van and tour with them for about two weeks. So to lighten the mood, he gave me a drawing to give to them because they had toured together. So he gives me this paper, and it's the Great Lakes swimmers who are a Canadian band. And they all have giant penises except for Julie, who has a giant vagina. <laughs> and that was what he wanted me to give to them to lighten the mood and just say, tell, tell them that Thor says hi and to give you some love. And after they had a really stressful day with uh, their van breaking down and stuff, and they had to take public transportation to the venue and had to have a new van replaced. And I got there, and they were all kind of grumpy, and it was kind of a weird meeting at first. But then I showed him that illustration, and it totally did make the day. And lastly, Sharon Van Etten, thanks for speaking to me, Nardward, a human serviette. What smells like garbage? What smells like garbage? <laughs> Something you said to a crowd. Me? Did I say I smelled like garbage? At Bona. Bonnaroo? Oh. oh. The well, entire campsite? <laughs> the whole place. I think I smelled bad. I think we all smelled bad. I think everything smelled bad. I think you got out there and said, who smells like garbage? Oh. <laughs> okay. I, I say a lot of silly things. Does it always smell bad there? No, the, the day before was like blazing, blazing hot. And then there's a long line for showers. So a lot of people skipped it that day. Was it a good gig, though? Like, when people smell and there's lots of garbage smell, does it make the gig better? It makes it a little more aggressive. Aggressive? In what way? <laughs> it makes you hurry up a little bit and makes the songs rock a little more than they should, maybe. I thought I was thinking, like, people in the pit get more aggressive because they, you know, smell. <laughs> Just, like, everyone's, like, at arm's length from each other. And actually, no, unfortunately, that wasn't it either. It was a lot of fun, though. It was a, it was a fun show, but it was definitely, uh, I'm learning that I'm not a enormous festival person <laughs> but hometown though tennessee bonnaroo yes bonnaroo it was it was i'm glad that we finally got to play it mm -hmm. it's been a long time coming anything else you want to add to the people out there at all it's really really nice to meet you you are a pleasure to be around well thanks so much for caring i really appreciate it thank you for having us well, keep on rocking in the free world and do do the loot do. <laughs> do, do. <laughs>
again, you're still listening to the Nardwar, the human serviette radio show. You just heard right there, Sharon Van Etten with Magic Chords. Coming up, an interview with comedian Hannibal Burris from Chicago, Illinois. Right now, to prepare you, as I always say, I think you can always be prepared for Hannibal Burris, is some rapping Rodney and some Webster. Yes, let me explain. Rodney Dangerfield, rapping Rodney, we're going to hear, and we're also going to hear a track from Webster. Webster, the TV personality from his album, Good Secrets, Bad Secrets. We're going to hear Good Touch, Bad Touch by Webster. So, rapping Rodney, Rodney Dangerfield, Webster, and in an interview with Hannibal Burris on the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. I tell you, I'm all right now, but last week I was in rough shape. I don't get a break with nothing. I played hide and seek when I was three. No respect. No respect. Why they wouldn't even look for me. No respect. No respect. I was an ugly kid. I never had fun. No respect. No respect. They took me to a dog show and I won. No respect. No respect. When I was born, I brought no joy. No respect. No respect. My old man said he wanted a boy. No respect. No respect. I was an ugly kid, always alone. No respect, no respect. Halloween, I had to trick or treat over the phone. No respect, no respect. Friends don't call, my phone don't ring. I don't get a break with anything. What's the matter, Rodney? Ah, death, where is my sting? It's just rapping Rodney. Ain't that your type? No, no. Rapping Rodney. Get out of sight. It's just rapping Rodney. Make no mistake, poor old rapping Rodney. Can't get a break. I'm getting old, it's hard to face. No respect, no respect. During sex, I lose my place. No respect, no respect. Steak and sex, my favorite pair. No respect, no respect. I have them both the same way, very rare. No respect, no respect. I know I'm old, I could go any minute. No respect, no respect. I got a kidney-shaped pool with a stone in it. No respect, no respect. Dr. Vinny Boombots, that's another one. No respect, no respect. I said I want to stop aging, he gave me a gun. No respect, no respect. I told him I got water on the knee. He gave me a sponge and raised his fee. What's the matter, Rodney? Oh, it ain't easy being me. It's just rapping Rodney. Ain't rap too tight, no, no. Rapping Rodney. Get out of sight, it's just Rappin' Rodney Make no mistake, poor old Rappin' Rodney Can't get a break Now give me a break Play something from the 40s Now what kind of music is this? How about Stardust? Hey, what are you doing? That's not Stardust. Listen to this, will you? I mean, where are the flutes? What a band. 
Hey, don't quit your day jobs. Look at this. The drummer carries the melody.
check, check. Check, check, check. <laughs> Who are you? Hannibal Burris. Hannibal Burris, welcome to the Sled Island Music Festival in Calgary, Alberta. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks. Um, thank you. Hannibal Burris, you've made it, haven't you? No, I haven't made it. Yes, you've made it. You've been on World Star Hip Hop. <laughs> I've been on World Star Hip Hop, yeah. And you've been in Penthouse. I've been in Penthouse, yeah. So was that making it, being on World Star Hip Hop and Penthouse? It was, you know, I, I look at a lot of horrible videos on World Star Hip Hop, so to see my uh, video on there was very exciting. Hannibal, I have a quote for you from yourself. Quote, I'm not accepting this Twitter invitation to hang out in... <laughs> I forget what I said. Your house or some shit? Calgary. Calgary. <laughs> and where are we now? We're in Calgary. Now, what was all that about? I think it was somebody asking me to come to their house or something. It was something you were talking to in Pitchfork fanzine, online fanzine, Pitchfork. Oh, yeah, when people, like strangers on Twitter say, hey, want to come through my crib after the show? Uh, nah, not really. Now, I wanted to welcome you to Calgary, though, Hannibal Burris, with this right here, an ODB Deluxe 36 Chambers issue. Oh, shit, this is dope. And you know what? There's a connection to Calgary here. What is the connection to Calgary? This out... What is it? This album cover was actually designed by a guy from Calgary. That is awesome. And now here you are in Calgary, Alberta, with the 36 chambers designed, the food stamp thing designed with a typewriter from Calgary. That is interesting, man. That is very dope. Hannibal, are you one of the only people to open up for the F. Yeah Fest and the Juggalos? I think I'm not sure. I think it's, it's not that much overlap, man. The juggle I did the uh, Juggalo Festival, and I, two days later I did the Solid Sound Festival with Wilco. So I do. I've done some weird festivals, man. I perform wherever the work is. The FEF Fest, though, they didn't. Uh, <laughs> that was the the tour where we we had a per diem of eight dollars a day, and we didn't even get that every day, though. That's pretty fucked up. There were some pornographers at the Juggalo Fest, weren't there? There were some pornographers at the Juggalo Fest, yeah. Like Ron Jeremy. Do you know many pornographers? Uh, I don't know. I know. Uh, I don't know any personally. I know a bunch. Uh, some follow me on Twitter, and then when they and I follow some uh, people on Twitter. Who? Like they, Sasha Gray. Uh, I don't follow Sasha Gray. I follow Sarah J, Dana Dearmond, and uh, yeah, those are the ones I follow. And then whenever they tweet. And I see them say something, I feel compelled to search their videos online. <laughs> Hannibal, a Canadian sold you cocaine? No. Paul Schaefer. Paul Schaefer? <laughs> what? You said that Paul Schaefer went and sold you cocaine, a Canadian. He's a Canadian. <laughs> Where did I say that? You said that a while back. <laughs> oh, well, sometimes I just say stuff and I forget about it. But no, nah, Paul Schaefer never sold me coke unless I just had a wild week that I, that I forgot about. Have you used him in many jokes at all? No, I don't really talk about Paul Schaefer that much. I don't have any beef with him, so, and he doesn't come up in my stand-up. I've only met him once. Hannibal, you played a gig, and it was like you, Aziz, Donald Glover, and the writers from 30 Rock. Uh... It was, I think you talking about on May 20th, my party. I think, uh, yeah, we, me, me and Aziz and Donald, uh, we did the party for my, the release for my comedy special, Hannibal Burr's Animal Furnace. For 30 Rock, were you ever inspired? Because you do some writing on the 30 Rock, don't you? Yeah, I did some writing on 30 Rock. I don't anymore. Were you ever inspired by Third Rock from the Sun at all? Uh, not inspired by it, but I did enjoy that show. 
I, I thought it was a fun show. That was China, the wrestler, was on that. China. China was on that show. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that. Did she do a guest appearance or she had an arc? I think she was in there somewhere. Some China was on the Third Rock. I just thought Third Rock, Thirty Rock. Is Tina into the Third Rock? Uh, I don't know. You have to ask Tina. I haven't uh, talked with her about Third Rock from the Sun. You Hannibal are from the wild, wild, wild west side of Chicago. What can you say about the Plaza? The Plaza? What's Plaza? Irvin, Irvin Park Plaza Mall? Evergreen Plaza. Evergreen Plaza. That's the south side of uh, Chicago, and that's a mall that I've only been to a couple times because it wasn't around where I grew up. But I used to, the mall by my house was the Brickyard, and that's where I went in high school all the time. How about the Ford City Cinema? Ford City Cinema is also another south side mall that's, uh, I know some friends that used to go there all the time, but I only went there a couple times just because it's about an hour from my house. What's the Town Hall Pub like? Town Hall Pub is a fun spot in Chicago. I actually did a show there on Sunday. Uh, it's a lot of great comedy shows, and good people always go there. It's a cool-ass bartender, Julia, and it's... Uh, they have jello shots? Uh, I'm sure they do have jello shots. I get Jameson and Ginger Ale whenever I'm there, but it's a fun place to perform, and it's always really good crowds. Robin Williams did a show there one time. He just popped in, and a lot of the best performers in Chicago come through there. It's a nice, intimate room, and it's always a good time. So, uh, Flostradamus used to do shows there and parties there a while back, and Kid Sister, and uh, a lot of people, man. It's a fun spot. Speaking of kid sister, Kanye West. Did you ever see any early Kanye West? I heard you saw some early Kanye. How back did you go with Kanye? Uh, I saw a Kanye West show. I think I was still in college. It might have been 2003 or 2004 at this place, Stevie B's. And it was uh, early on before he had an album out. But even then, I mean, we got a lot of love for Kanye, man, because he's from Chicago and put out good beats and then put out, he was a good rapper also. So I remember that show. You, we got in for free with a, a, a canned food or something. It was some special event and it was uh, for charity. So if you brought canned food, you got into that Kanye West show for free. Don't you have a Kanye West diss song? I do have a secret Kanye West diss song. I didn't. Uh, I never released it because when he dissed SNL on Power, he said "fuck SNL" and the whole cast. I was uh, still writing on SNL, and so I made a diss song, but I never, I never released. It. I just made it to maybe get hype on the internet from it. I, I just thought it'd be fun to do. But so I started talking shit about Kanye on Twitter. This is before he was on Twitter, and then some of his fans started writing mean shit at me. It was pretty funny though. Do you remember any of the verses at all for the Kanye West diss tune? <laughs> Uh, what did I say? I said, uh, what, what was that? So this is what happens when rappers get old, scared of dissing rappers, so now you dissing sketch shows, school pigeon dissing us with your new written South Park called you gay and you was cool with it. It was some other shit. My friend helped me write that, actually. Uh, I'm not going to uh, put him out there just in case he gets into a beat. Not haiku, was it? No, it wasn't haiku. Haiku is an old friend from college, man, and we do a lot of stuff together. Yeah, tell me about the beat maker, Tony Trim. Yeah, Tony Trim, man. That's my boy. Uh, we used to do this open mic together where he would DJ, and um, I would host. It was this open mic that he had in his house called Sunday School Sessions, and we would perform... And uh, it would be all types of acts, but poets, musicians, everything. And he would DJ, and we it was in his house, and, and it was uh, it was a lot of fun. And now we still collaborate together. He made the uh, opening track for my Comedy Central special, and then we do some comedy music things together as a live show. 
So who helped you with the Kanye West this song? Come on, time to out him, Hannibal. <laughs> nah, man, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not out. Nah, he's a he's a good friend of mine. No. <laughs> Speaking of people who had beef with Kanye and love Kanye as well, I have a gift for you. Some little brother. Oh, little brother. Yeah, I like little brother, man. I was just listening to little brother and Fonte. Yeah, little brother is dope, man. It's a real cool rap group. Now, Kanye was dissing Saturday Night Live. Now, Saturday Night Live skits, you did, like, the all-hat baseball league? Oh, it was the Fedora basketball. Uh, that was a skit that never saw the light of day, but I still have love for it. It was a really crazy sketch that I wrote that uh, didn't get made, but it, uh, I, it, it'll see the light of day somewhere. I'll make something out of it. Can you describe any of your other ones that didn't make it? Any other weird ones you wrote for Saturday Night Live? Any other weird ones? There's one where I uh, talk about, uh, I wrote for Megan Fox, where she's a horror movie villain that kills her victims with scatting. And there's a there's a lot that didn't make it, man. I, I, I adapted some of my stand-up into some sketches, and they didn't make it. The, I do a joke about what is the fire SUV and... Uh, what else didn't make it? It was, it's been all types, man. Now, when it doesn't make it, what happens to them? Do they own them now? Can they be reincarnated? No, they don't own them. I just, uh, I have them, and I, I have them on a flash drive. When I, when I left, I put all of my work on a flash drive, so if I want to use them for something else, then I can use them for something else. Hannibal, Saturday Night Live, alumni, people that have been involved, I have a gift for you. Some Flip Wilson. Are you into Flip? I don't know that much about Flip Wilson, actually. I know uh, I know he's a funny guy, but I haven't. Uh, I don't know that much about Flip Wilson and his history. I mean, I know he had a couple of really good characters. I've Geraldine, seen Geraldine, and I've seen some stuff like some late night sets, and I, I've seen that he was a sharp dude. But I haven't studied him that heavy, no. Well, there's a record for you for them. Check him out. You can see one of those characters on the back of this Flip Wilson one there, Hannibal. Okay, you got uh, Herman's Berry. I'm not Flip. Yeah, I'm excited to listen to this because I haven't really, I'm not, I'm not that up on uh, Flip Wilson, but I'll check it out. Now, another guy that was on Saturday Night Live, Rodney Dangerfield. What do you think about the rapping Rodney Dangerfield? <laughs> Dangerfield is, uh, is, this is old. Oh, this is just a single. Man, people used to put just one song on a vinyl. That's crazy. Uh, but yeah, Rodney, Rodney Dangerfield's funny dude, man. Really great joke writer and uh, super funny dude. Uh, I don't know about his rap skills. It's pretty, it's pretty cool. Maybe I, I rap a little bit also, man. I, mean, I might put out, maybe I'll put out a rap vinyl like Rodney Dangerfield. It's a crazy picture, yo. Rapping Rodney. You, you think this is his idea or you think that he just, decide, somebody else said, Rodney, the next step is rapping. Oh, probably a little bit of both, but it couldn't hurt for him to do some rap. There's never enough rap. There's never enough rap, man. It's basically the Saturday Night Connection, like Gilda Radner. Gilda. Radner, man. Yeah, Gilda Radner, one of the original SNL cast members. was very funny, yeah? Did you get to meet the original cast members? Of course, rest in peace, you can't meet her. But when you get involved there, is there a special vault you can go to or people you can squeeze? No, well, there is. The, while I was working there, there's this cool thing as a server where you can go back and watch any SNL sketch that's ever aired. So that was, I would go back and look. Because you would need to look just in case to, to find out if anything had overlapped to f make sure you weren't writing the same sketch that has been done. Like, I would put some stuff in there and say, hey, we, that happened in 98. So you, it would be good to watch old episodes and just learn and, and see what the history was. How many of your jokes come from Percy Wilson? 
<laughs> a handful of my jokes come from Percy Wilson, man. At least uh, about three or four jokes come from Percy Wilson. Or oh, he'll add something to a joke. He's uh, That's my cousin, best friend, and he's a funny dude, man. And masturbation helps you win arguments with your cousin? <laughs> no, my other cousin, uh, James, uh, He uh, he's the one that makes fun of my comedy. And he uh, so he was like, and so to get back at him, I, he's a teenager. I say, well, you coming from jagging off? And he just gets pissed. Like, no, I'm not jagging off. So that's uh, I win the argument in my heart. So that's what it is. For your Comedy Central special, I noticed it was a teleprompter. Yeah, there was a teleprompter. And it was in the middle of the audience. It was in the middle of the audience, yeah. Could the audience see the jokes before you delivered them? Because it was like right there. If they were nosy, they could. Also, I just had it. I didn't have jokes up. I just had kind of bullet points. But if they looked, they looked. You could see it uh, on the DVD. You could see it. Yeah, I was seeing it. Well, I think it's cool to have notes. In, but I said it was weird that it was like right in the middle of the audience. Could you tell Comedy Central, like, hey, can we seat people like not so near the teleprompter? I was. I, I did worry that people would look back and see it. But some of it, I didn't. It wasn't even look back. It was like right beside them. It's like you couldn't ignore it. Yeah, but, you know, I think it still worked out fine. Oh, no, it worked out great. I was just wondering for the placement. Like, you show up there and it's like, all my jokes are given away. I was, I was a little bit worried, but it is just because it's not it's not necessarily the jokes it's just the uh, uh the uh, a kind of a prompt for just a, a lot, one line or, or one word to to make me remember the joke when do you know to retire a joke you know it's uh now it's just if you record it and put it out or, or you retire a joke if it's bombing but I'm starting like now because I put the special out I'm not really doing that material on the road anymore because people might have heard it so it depends on if stuff has been out and how it's been exposed so I'm retiring some stuff I retired a little bit of material but then sometimes people request shit too Hannibal what comedians use stools well? <laughs> Cat Williams used the stool. <laughs> Bye, boom. <laughs> Cat Williams stool. Well, I forgot what I was talking about. That I was talking about that on the podcast. Cat Williams has the best stool game. He he used the stool as a motorcycle in one of his specials. He has the best stool comedy in the world. It was great. Who, who uses the stool as a motorcycle? You laid it flat and laid it down. I don't have good stool. I, my, my stool usage is me just knocking the stool over. That's my best stool. And then I maybe I'll sit on it to tell a story if I'm tired. And well, you're doing some stuff with the Eric Andre show. Yeah, you sound like I Eric Andre show. You switched up your voices. Yeah, exactly. And you also, and I may ask this to you, it's the number one question about that, if I may ask you. Yeah. Where the hell did you get Doc Chicken? How'd you get Doc Chicken? That is all. Uh, I don't know if Eric Andre wrote that or one of the other writers, but Doc Chicken is, uh, that's Doc Chicken, man. And we just, they just said when Doc Chicken comes out, chant. I'm an actor on the show and I just do my lines, man. How do you describe Doc Chicken to people who haven't seen the Doc Chicken? Because you got Doc Chicken on the Eric Andre show. And can you tell people a bit about the Eric Andre show? Uh, Doc Chicken is a, uh, well, the Eric Andre show is a show uh, created by my friend Eric Andre. It's a fake talk show on Adult Swim. It's, it's very weird and, and crazy, and we have fake guests and real guests, and I'm the co-host on the show. Doc Chicken was a special guest on the show, and it's a chicken that has a stethoscope, and it just comes out, and we're very excited to see Doc Chicken, so we chant and we dance because Doc Chicken is there, and it's a beautiful moment. Is he like Killer Mike on there? Killer Mike was on there. That was very cool. Killer and Doc Chicken. And Doc Chicken, man. Yeah. For your gigs, you've had some interesting people open for you, and you've opened for some interesting people, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, I've had some interesting, yeah, I've had, I've done work with some funny people, man. Work with like Tim Harrington from Les Savi Fav. Yeah, Tim Harrington, I've done a couple shows with him, uh, and, uh... 
the, I did uh, open the night at the Knitting Factory a f- couple years ago, and that's how I got my regular Knitting Factory gig, was doing the shows with them, with Slavi Five, yeah. And, and Hannibal, you've also opened for the Circle Jerks and the Monotonics. Yeah, Circle Jerks and Monotonics. That was on uh, FFest. Uh, actually, some of those shows, I went after Monotonics, if you can imagine, which is very crazy. But doing a lot of uh, Monotonics, we did a bunch of shows together in summer 08, and that was some of the craziest Nice. They put on. They put on some wild shows, man. Annabelle, I thought it was interesting. I thought I heard your mom say she didn't like it when you made fun of cheeses. Yeah, yeah, she doesn't like it. Cheeses. Oh, she. Oh, you thought she said cheeses? Yeah, I thought you said cheeses. No, she said Jesus. Because then later on, she'd made an example of like a burrito joke that you tell. Oh yeah, I'm yeah. Saying a burrito with cheese. Cheeses. <laughs> That's weird. Well, I thought that was cool. Your mom doesn't like when you make fun of cheeses. I love cheese. How dare you make fun of cheese? Every, well, I love cheese too, man. Yeah. But she was referring to actually Jesus. She was referring to Jesus, the uh, the person. She didn't like that. But my dad likes it when I talk about religion, so they got to deal with it. I'm working, man. On your documentary, Hannibal, there's those rappers on the street that you bump into. Yeah. Who are they, and how much did you pay them? Uh... I don't know who they are, and I gave the one guy 20 bucks because it was such a funny moment to see on film, and I knew that people would love it, so I felt like I had to give him something. Uh, yeah, so it was, it was very hilarious. I don't know who those guys are. We looked for them afterwards to try to get releases signed so we could air it on, on, on TV, or, but uh, we were able to put it online. Hannibal, growing up, what sort of TV did you watch? Uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, a lot of cartoons, you know, like Animaniacs. Uh, a lot of uh, TGIF, uh, they, uh, you know, Full House, uh, uh, Family Matters, Boy Meets World. I love Topanga. What's up with Topanga? Topanga, holler at me on Twitter. How about this particular series that was so well revered on TV? Webster. Do you remember Webster? Webster? I do remember Webster. Yeah, I remember Webster. Wait, is this the Webster album? And check out the cover. Look what it says. It says, the must-have recording for every parent and child. <laughs> the important new recording that teaches children how to avoid molestation on vinyl. That's crazy. That's weird as fuck. That's Webster. It's actually a gatefold if you open it up there. Lots of information there. What do you think of Webster? Webster, uh... You did a Fresh Prince, you know. Yeah. It was a good show. I don't, I don't... I think Webster was a little bit, like, earlier than me. What years was Webster on? It's like mid-80s. Mid-80s. So, yeah, I was born in, uh, 83. But Webster, I've seen some reruns of it. That's weird as hell, man. Good secrets and bad secrets. Why didn't Todd want to go to the sitter's house? What kind of touches are good touches? What's that? That's so funny to see uh, avoid molestation record on vinyl. Like, hey, son, listen to this record. Gatefold as well. Yeah, man. Hannibal, how did you find me? I just saw a bunch of your interviews. I, I don't know exactly where, but it's just people post their interviews. You interview a lot of people in the hip-hop community, so I watch, and I watch a lot. World Star Hip-Hop. Uh, I think some of them might have been on World Star too, but I've just seen a bunch, like the ones with Pharrell and uh, uh, Future. I watched one with David Cross, uh, 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 ASAP Rock. I watched a bunch of them on- online. So that's and and, and I tweeted one saying, "Man, these Nardwuar interviews are pretty funny. They're hilarious." That wasn't me. I wasn't trying to get an interview. I just thought they were funny interviews and shit. Hannibal, yourself, what do people say you look like? 
Uh, people say I look like Wesley Snipes sometimes, or yeah, people say Wesley Snipes a lot, or some other dark skinned person. I don't. Think I have a gift for you because I understand this is your like number one fan, Tyro. Uh, <laughs> That's funny, man. You know when I was uh, Tyrese. What can you say to people about Tyrese and Hannibal? You know what's funny is that uh, when I was on, we were both on. Uh, Lopez tonight, the same episode, and so, and so I, that was my opening joke. That I was like, "Oh, people are like, damn, it's Tyrese again." What's funny is when I was in high school, Tyrese had that Coca-Cola commercial out uh, that uh, where he would be on the bus singing "Sweet Lady" with the headphones on. And so when I would get on the bus, people would fuck with me and start singing "Sweet Lady," would you be? And so that shit is stuck in my head. It sucks. And now you have a record that'll stick in your head. Tyrese record. Thanks. That's while they were on Lopez Tonight together. Yeah, yeah. Did you talk to him at all? Um, trying to think. I might have spoke with him briefly afterwards, yeah. Like, when you do those shows, do you get to mingle with the other people on the shows or the other bands? Uh, it's just, it's mostly, it's just like a quick, sometimes I chat with people and sometimes it just depends on the on the person. Uh, but I, I'd say what's up and, and we'll chat for a little bit if they're cool. Did you ever take young Jeezy's advice at all? Oh, uh, to upgrade my crib? <laughs> nah, I still got the same apartment. I don't think Young Jeezy understood my joke. I'm a big uh, Young Jeezy fan, though. But, yeah, Jeezy responded to my joke about him where I say he, he talks about my rooms, got rooms. Like, nah, Jeezy, those are closets. And, uh, yeah, he said I should upgrade my crib because my crib isn't big as his. And I'm sure my crib isn't as big as his. That is a fact. Hannibal Burris, anything else you want to add to the people out there at all? Uh, thanks a lot, and uh, check out Animal Furnace, and uh, see me when I come to your city, HannibalBurris.com. Hannibal Burris, why should people care about Hannibal Burris? I don't know, because uh, I'm a funny dude, and uh, I, I try I try real hard. <laughs> well, thanks much, Hannibal. Keep on rocking in the free world, and doot-doot-a-loot-doo. Doot-doot.
dismissal bell rang. Streams of happy children poured out of the school building. It was a beautiful sunny day. Everyone wanted to get home in a hurry to play. Webster was one of the last students to leave school. He had stayed after class for some extra help in math. When he walked out of the classroom and into the hall, all of his friends were gone, except Todd Collins. Todd was leaning against the wall with his hands in his pockets and his eyes staring down at the floor. Webster called to his friend. Hi, Todd. Why are you still here? Todd raised his head and looked around. Uh, uh, I was waiting for you, Webster. Todd stammered. I thought maybe I could go over to your house and play for a while. Webster slipped on his backpack and smiled at his friend. That would be great, but don't you have to go home first? Won't your mom be worried about you? My mom got a new job. She works lots of hours, but the pay is real good and we sure need it. Well, do you stay alone till your mom gets home? Mom hired a sitter, Mrs. Smith. I'm supposed to go to her house and play and have a snack and do my homework there. But I'd rather go to your house. Webster, please, please can I? Webster smiled and grabbed his friend's arm. George and Casper won't mind. Let's go. Todd heaved a big sigh of relief. He and Webster left the school building and walked off happily down the street. When the two boys reached Webster's house, they found George in the kitchen. Hi, George. I'm home. Called Webster. George knelt down and gave Webster a big hug. Well, Webster, did you get your math problem all straightened out? I sure did. Webster replied. Now I understand equations pretty well. Not as good as Einstein, but pretty well. Then Webster added, Todd came over to play. Is it okay, George? George stood up and stretched his hand out to Todd. Sure, it's okay. Hi, Todd. Do you want to phone your mom and tell her you're here? Todd shook his head. My mom is at work. I stay with a sitter now. And I, I, um, phoned her before I left school. Webster was a little puzzled. He didn't remember Todd's making a phone call. Was Todd lying? Just then, George offered the boys some cookies and milk. And Webster forgot all about Todd's puzzling answer. Cookies sound great, George. I'm starved. How about you, Todd? I'm not very hungry, but then I never am. I don't feel much like eating lately. I'll just wait till you're finished and then we can play a game. A little while later, when Catherine came in, she found Webster, Todd, and George at the kitchen table playing a card game. Hi guys, what's going on? George stood up to greet his wife with a quick kiss on the cheek. Then he explained, Hi honey, uh, just a minute, I have an important play to make. George put a card down on the table. Webster picked it up and chuckled. That's it. I'm out. Todd then picked up the card Webster put down and said, I'm out too. George groaned. Rats, I'm the old maid again. That's the eighth game I've lost. <laughs> Everyone laughed. Just then, Todd looked up at the clock on the wall and announced, to be going now. My mom should be home from work any minute. Thanks.
Thanks for letting me come over, Webster. Really, really, thanks a lot. Then, scooping up his books, Todd dashed out the door, calling back, Bye, everyone. After the door slammed shut, Catherine looked at George and asked, What's that all about? George shrugged his shoulders. Todd has a new sitter. I guess he doesn't like going to her house. Mm, that's odd. When I met his mom at the supermarket last week, she told me how thrilled she was to get Mrs. Smith to watch Todd because Mrs. Smith likes children so much. And she especially likes Todd. Mm, it's very strange. The next day after school, Todd was waiting for Webster again. This time, he hurried down to Webster and grabbed his arm, pleading. Please, Webster, please can I come to your house? Please, please! Webster sensed something was wrong. Sure, Todd, but your sitter. Won't she be worried? Todd gulped. I, um, called her. Besides, I like your house better. Your dad plays neat games. Doesn't your sitter play games with you? Todd's face froze in fear. Then slowly the fear turned to anger as he answered. I don't like the games Mrs. Smith plays. I hate them. I hate her and her tickling games. Webster was confused. What's wrong with tickling? I think it's kind of fun. Todd glanced around the empty hall to make sure no one could hear him. Even though they were alone, he leaned close to Webster and whispered. If I tell you, do you promise not to tell anyone else? Webster nodded and Todd explained breathlessly. Mrs. Smith tickles me in places I don't want to be tickled. She tickles me in what my mom says are private places. Webster knew what Todd meant by private places. And the thought of being touched or tickled there frightened him. Did you tell your mom, Todd? Todd shook his head slowly and sadly. I can't tell her. She needs this job to support us. She said I have to obey Mrs. Smith. And I know I'd get in trouble if I told. But Webster, I don't want to play Mrs. Smith's games anymore. And the only way not to is not to go there. Webster nodded. I see what you mean, Todd. You don't have to go to Mrs. Smith's house if you don't want to. You can come to my house. Todd's face brightened into a smile as Webster put his arm around his shoulder and the two boys headed home. Later that afternoon, when Catherine came home, she found George, Webster, and Todd watching cartoons. Hi, ma'am. Webster called out as she entered the room, and he leaped off the couch and ran over to give her a hug. Hi, Webster. George. Hi, Todd. Catherine nodded toward the TV, and George turned it off. Then Catherine sat down on the sofa and looked squarely at Todd. I need to talk to you for a minute, Todd. Todd went over to the sofa and sat down next to Catherine. Catherine smiled warmly at the boy as she explained. I saw your mom at lunch today, Todd. She told me all about her new job and all about Mrs. Smith, your new sitter. Todd gasped. His hands started to shake and he slumped down on the couch as if he hoped the cushions would hide him. Catherine went on. Todd, you know you're welcome here anytime, but your mom is paying the sitter a lot of money to look after you. 
Mrs. Smith was worried when you didn't show up yesterday, and I'm sure she's worried that you're not there today either. Webster started to open his mouth to speak, but a warning look from Todd reminded Webster of his promise to keep Todd's secret. Todd apologized to Catherine. I'm sorry. I won't come here after school anymore. And before anyone could speak, Todd gathered up his books and left. You're still listening to the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. You just heard right there, Webster, Good Secrets, Bad Secrets. From the Webster record, Good Secrets, Bad Secrets. And before that, an interview with Hannibal Burris from Chicago, Illinois. To end the Nardwar to Human Serviette radio show right now, going to play a couple things that were sent to me and given to me. Thank you so much, senders and givers. Right now, going to play something from Copsicle from Calgary, Alberta. We are going to hear Cops in the Freezer by Copsicle. Thank you, Copsicle. And after that, going to hear something all the way from Halifax, Cold Warps with Slimer. Cold Warps, Slimer on the Nardwar, the Human Serviette radio show. And do 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 Cops.
Listen up. The deadline for Shindig 2012 is fast approaching. If you are a local musician 